Hello, everyone. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of Talent Talks. Today, we're going to be discussing the ongoing situation in Ukraine. Just to do a quick recap of the events, it's been about a week since Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, they had started amassing troops on Ukraine's border about in December of last year. And forces entered Ukraine in what Putin called a special military operation. And NATO has so far responded in the past few weeks with economic sanctions, including sanctioning some of Russian's oligarchs. And for those who don't know what oligarch means, it is essentially the, rare, the Russian elite and wealthy. And they have gone so far as to kick Russia off of the SWIFT banking system, which is the banking system that allows international money to be moved from place to place, which greatly affects Russia's economy. The ruble has fell significantly, which is Russia's currency in the past week, but Russia continues its assault. They have an, a, convoy, a military convoy heading towards the capital of Kiev right now. The Ukrainian president has refused to leave the country despite the West's in, uh, insisting that he should. Um, uh, the US has offered him many times to assist him in evacuating and he has refused. He is standing by and fighting with his people. The UN Security Council convened to draft a resolution which Russia initially vetoed, but just yesterday they drafted another resolution condemning Russia's actions in Ukraine as a violation of international law. Just a few days ago, Russian uh, Putin put Russia's nuclear defense on, a, on the highest alert they can possibly be, it, be on. And this is where we stand right now. I believe today the UN did something. Oh, the, the World Bank has officially cut ties with Russia. Also, the UN is the UN is investigating potential war crimes in targeting civilians directly. So now that we are all a week into this, Nick, how do we feel about what's going on right now personally? Well, I personally fear for a third world war because yes i believe that is the direction we are headed towards i definitely yeah i can that seems to be the consensus among most people is that this is going to be the inciting incident a lot of people already say this is this is it this is world war three it's already going on it's just a matter of spreading further and honestly it this is how the other two started it's just, it's it's a small incident, and this is exactly what people, skept, or at least people who didn't believe that they were going towards World War II, this is what exactly what they said when, when Hitler invaded Austria, then he invaded Czechoslovakia, and then he invaded Poland. And it wasn't until he invaded Poland that people started to really take him seriously. Among people that you've talked to, I don't know if you talked to anybody about this at work or just in in just passing but what seems to be their general attitude about everything if you if you've gotten an opinion from anybody else so i've basically 
heard the same thing that I've been saying this entire time from my coworkers that this is going to lead to World War Three and that Putin is basically the new Hitler and such and such down the line. Putin, the, the Putin Hitler comparisons are definitely ripe. The one, and this is, I think, what scares people so much is that um, Putin's never particularly been seen that way on the world stage, at least through most of his right. Like, he's an authoritarian, he's a dictator, he manipulates elections. But there's the line between crazy enough to want to dominate the whole world or end it and sane enough to realize that a nuclear war is unwinnable. And that's kind of the line that everybody's, there's never been a power, a world power that's had nuclear weapons where they had an unhinged person at the helm. Right, right. And that's definitely where we are right now. I fear that- I'm sorry, what was that? I was saying that's definitely where we are right now. He's definitely on the war path. He's crazy enough to get us all killed, the entire world, not just Ukraine and Russia. And I think with with Putin being basically fixed for himself so somewhat or being president for life, do you think that the people will turn on him eventually and and or his or this is a question i hear or a scenario i hear posed is that he orders a nuclear strike and his generals refuse to carry it or his military refuses to carry it out i mean is because there's there's a picture of him and it's it's almost it wasn't for the background of the picture the picture is almost comical because it's him at this at this giant table, like picture the biggest like dining table you've ever seen and like double it and Putin's on the end of it and his two generals are all the way, it's almost like all the way down. It's almost as if he would have to shout to, for them to even hear him. And they look concerned. Like they, they don't look, I wish I could actually find this picture and share it because it's just, um, comical how long this table is but he doesn't they don't look like um confident in his mental capacity and that's actually like been a conspiracy theory for a long time is that he's got a terminal illness or something like that and this he just is going for broke here he has nothing to lose he wants to take this back and he'll do it at any cost right which is exactly what's making us afraid at this point and the the fear and the fear going through the country right now i i don't know if it's resonating with as many people as we think it is because i feel like we spend a lot of time at least on on like social media and twitter to see what's going on with this kind of thing and yeah the people on there are concerned but you know i would say it's a passing concern here because this is not a generation that ever thought this was a possibility like world war ii generation are, are pretty much gone there's a few left my grandpa was he was 84 when he died so he'd be 90 something now and he he fought in world war ii so there's never been a generation that's faced this right now there's no people alive that ever thought this was a real possibility do you think that has an effect on 
the way the public views something? Possibility because this is how the basically how the Cold War was fought. We had the weapons, but we chose not to use them. But now Putin is like, I'm crazy enough to actually use these. The Cold War did not have any effect on me. I'm going to press the button. That's basically what I see when I hear about this or see about this when I actually do read the news. Shocker, the news guy doesn't read the news. I mean, that's a, I, I like, the, I asked my dad this the other day. I was, I was like, is this what the Cold War felt like? And he's like, not really, because nothing ever really happened. It was cold through the entire thing. There was no real threat. Russia invaded Afghanistan at one point, and there was the Cuban Missile Crisis. But those were the two we, the closest we ever came to World War III. Exactly. And, and that Russia, they, this is Putin's opinions on what he believes Ukraine is. He, there's, he said his entire life, like, Ukraine is a part of Russia. I think he wholeheartedly, fundamentally believes that. I don't think he thinks what he's doing is a is a war of choice. I think he thinks the exact same thing that Hitler thought about Austria, which was, this is not a sovereign nation. This is part of my country, and I don't care what it takes to get it back. I'm going to take it back. And because that goes back to, I mean, Ukraine was a part of the of Prussia before Russia was even a country. Ukraine was part of that. They were part of the Soviet Union. There's tons of Russian people who live in Ukraine and they speak Russian, especially in the eastern part that he annexed first, which is what something I forgot to mention. He didn't annex that he invaded that part first, which and declared that these two states, states, quote unquote, are, are sovereign states. And that's how he justified going in because everything he says is just playing to his people. It's not playing to, um, it's not playing to the rest of the world. Like he doesn't care about what the rest of the world thinks. That's a fine way of thinking for somebody who has a country that's on the UN council. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, I mean, and that's a funny because um, Russia was part of G8. They were part of that. Like it's not an alliance. It's more of an economic um, alliance. And they left G8 and Trump, Trump actually, which is very, you know, kind of in character for him, tried to bring russia back into the g8 and now it's just g7 but russia has can like consistently become more isolationist in the last 10 years or so when they they took georgia in 2008 they took crimea in 2014 so i don't see this resolving in any good way what do you what do you think will be like, what do you think Putin's end game in this is? Do you, how far do you think he's willing to go? He's either going to get Ukraine and continue to want more, like Hitler wanted more with the League of Nations back in before the United Nations was a thing. And we, the Allies, were like, okay, we're going to give you more, but please stop. We'll give you more, please stop. And then you got to realize at some point they're not going to stop and you have to fight back. So I believe you were asking whether or not that 
this was going to be the next big thing. Yes, I believe this is going to be the craziest thing that we've ever had to endure because World War One, we were fighting in the trenches. World War Two, we had basically this great arsenal against us and we are fighting them. And now World War Three, we have nukes that can blow up the entire world three times over. It's just and crazy. It's not really. It's not really a World War Three. It's at that point. It's just a one country decides to go ahead with it, and the other countries retaliate, and that's the end of it. And, th and when I start going down this path of thinking, this is the thing that I always try to remind myself. It's. It's. I don't. If even if Putin is crazy, I I just can't see anybody actually going through with but actually pushing the button knowing what they're doing because they're essentially just they're gonna die too that is true that they would die as well but i don't think he cares that's that's a true thing is that putin doesn't care but i don't think his generals are crazy i don't think his military is crazy i also don't think china is crazy and this is something like china's authoritarian awful like human rights violations as a list as long as you could ever write but i don't think they're crazy china has never bothered me in terms of nuclear weapons because they have much of a vested interest in the future as we as we do and i just i i don't see them being the aggressor in that situation which is why i think in all honesty, I think China needs to be the one to get more involved because they're the ones that could maybe be, maybe bring this to a, some kind of conclusion. Honestly, I think if we got involved, we would stop it like that because he claims to be our ally. So if we step in, he might back off. That's my opinion, at least. If that's the it's that's the gamble is if if we. Uh, for one, I don't think the rest of the NATO could, because they're a lot closer. So they have a little bit more to lose than we do. <clears throat> yeah, I understand but, where you're coming from with that, but I'm saying if he believes us to be his ally, we would have the greatest chance of stopping him. I think in a normal scenario of a war where nukes are not involved, this would have already ended. We would have we would have gone in there and we would have stomped this. I mean, it probably wouldn't have ended quickly, but we NATO has a much greater fighting force than than Russia does. They would go in there and, and if there were no threat of nuclear weapons, they would go in there and stomp this out. If this was a country, if if on the flip side, a non-nuclear armed country invaded another sovereign country, this would have been over. Like right. Iraq invaded um, Kuwait in 1991, and the U.S. went in there and immediately it was over in a matter of weeks. It's just that that's the only reason that Biden refuses to send any troops in is because they he knows what the implications and what the gamble of that is. Yeah, they might go in and end it and Putin's and just call Putin's bluff or Putin straight up nukes us. 50-50, we'll never know. I don't think we'll ever know because I don't think we'll ever do it. Not, not unless they go and not unless they go and 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 attack a NATO ally, right? Like I can't I can't see them because then it's just that it's it's just an Article Five NATO of the NATO treaty. That's 
they can't, they have to honor that because they've honored it. I mean, the only previous time it's ever been activated was after 9-11 when they went to Afghanistan. So this could, and that's, I think, Biden's greatest fear is that he doesn't know what Putin's endgame is. So he's not willing to send in troops. He doesn't know how far he's going to go. And the problem is, is if you just say, forget it, let him take the country, it's like, okay, he's just going to go get Poland next. And then you're, then you're, you're between a rock and a heart. You have no choice. Then World War III really starts. Which is where I was going when I said he's basically the new Hitler. Oh, I'm going to threaten us with war because I want more and more and more and so on and so on and so on. Poor Poland. They're always Poland in the middle of everything. Getting destroyed by everyone. Everything. It's not even like they've been, oh, we got invaded by one side multiple times. It's like, no, you've been invaded by both sides many times and none of nobody ever went and did anything to stop it. And then you got carved in half. And I could be wrong about this, but I'm almost sure that the Soviets kept, I'm going to look it up actually, that the Soviets kept half of Poland after World War II. And I should know this. And I'm upset that I don't. Yeah, it looks like they kept all, yeah, they kept all of Poland. No, actually, I don't think they kept any piece of Poland after World War II. They kept a bunch of other countries. And this is, um, go ahead. (laughs) I was going to say that I believe that because Hitler and Stalin had a deal that we had to make sure that they gave back some of their land that they had taken, I believe that Germany surrendered all of its African um, colonies and that Russia had to give up some thing too i could be wrong no don't roast me in the comments people it's not on this map it ends at belarus it ends at ukraine and belarus so that like they i don't think they kept pulling yet russia or germany didn't keep any of its territory that it gained like it, it had to i mean they i mean they i mean they got like sweden and norway and denmark and stuff too i mean they had to i mean they they basically took all of europe which I yeah. don't think is Putin's gain. I think he wants the all the Eastern Europe. I think he wants Moldova, Ukraine, Belarus, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, all of Eastern Europe, because that's where the Soviet Union borders ended. And this was going to bring me to my next question. Oh, Victor's here. Sweet. Hey, so, how is everyone? Sorry for joining a little no, late. No, you're good. No, it's, it's good. We're just talking about the war in Ukraine. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think my... Th- <laughs> jump in jump in here other than unnecessary um i think it's just i mean with putin um president biden said something in one of his speeches a couple weeks ago and he said that um with regard to putin and the ukraine or ukraine um that putin is just trying to find who he is in this world i guess that's and, a great point. I ha- that that's a great point. And I guess because Ukraine, well, I shouldn't say I guess because Ukraine has all has been considered such an a such a uh, I guess a pivotal territory that represents 
I don't know, the, the, just a great representation of Russian, whatever you want to call it. Um, he wants, he wants Ukraine back. And then with Ukraine, you know, obviously with Ukraine wanting to be part of, part of, I guess, more of our ideals, um, he didn't want that. And, you know, he doesn't want the Ukraine to, to move away from what he feels are Russian, are the best Russian ideals. Um, I don't know, but at the same time, he's, you know, I guess maybe, you know, and I say Russia as a whole, because he's the leader of Russia. Um, they're just trying, again, they're just trying to find, using Biden's words, um, they're just trying to find who they are in this world. And if they lose Ukraine, then for whatever reason, they feel lost. Um, but even in history, um, you know, just referring to the Iron Curtain in the Cold War, it kind of seems like this has always been the case, you know, I mean, it's with the cold war, when this whole cold world, cold world war ended back in the nineties, um, you know, it's been such a, there's been, it's been well over 20 years and now you're wanting to create action again. You know, I, I guess, I, I, I guess I just don't, I'm having trouble following and understanding his, um, why he's wanting to really do this other than identity. Um, so I, I guess those are just my thoughts on that. I, I don't know. No, those are, those are great points, Victor. And, and what Putin's, Putin is a, like, he's a fierce, like nationalist and he, and he has so much pride and, I, I think it's more pride in, in the Soviet Union on what it, you know, what it represented to him because his, I mean, his, it's his older brother was killed in Stalingrad during, I'm pretty sure Stalingrad. He was the only, bro, he was the only um, one of his three brothers to survive. He's the youngest. So I, he he has it in his blood i just think he has it in his blood and he feels like the the world has forgot like has forgotten about russia entirely because because ever since the soviet union fell and i think that's been his goal since the minute he got into power he was like i'm going to restore russia to its rightful place in the world as they've watched the us and china pass them by and they're not considered i mean this is they're not even considered a world power at this point. I mean, they, in terms of economic exports and production, yes, they are one of they I think they are the number two supplier of oil and natural gas, if I'm not mistaken. So they're a big deal, but they're not as big a deal as they used to be. And I think that's what bugs him the most. And there's this idea that Russia that I said this before that Ukraine doesn't it's he, he truly believes that Ukraine is a part of Russia. And we can move on to, since Victor's here now, I will pose this question. Should we get involved militarily? Like the option's been clearly put off the table. But in your opinion, if you were Biden right now, what, what do you think would be the best course of action? I don't, me personally, I don't think that we should get involved militarily. Uh, whenever I think of war, I think of, granted, 
there's a whole other that's a whole other conversation but um as to the reasons why um but you know i think of vietnam i think of afghanistan um you know up to what point do we as the united states continue to meddle in somebody else's issue yes we are watching you know i don't know it's a really hard question to answer but at the same time at what cost to our own people and our own men and women that are having to go out and fight you know for a cause that or for an issue that's not even ours but at the same time from a humanitarian standpoint you know it's hard to watch because it does affect you know america is made up of so many different colors um and cultural backgrounds you know we we you know there are americans here that have you know ukrainian you know ukrainian blood in them or we even come from ukraine so it's hard to i don't know i guess it's just hard it's a really hard thing to consider but again in biden's if i were biden i would continue to just maybe send you know what other countries have done, you know, send weapons, send, you know, we, you have our support, but we're not sending our people, we're not sending our men and women over there. You know, you know, I, I, I feel for Ukraine and the people um, in all life. I'm somebody that, res that respects all life, both human and non. And it's just, it pains me to see the pain. Um, but I don't think that we should get involved militarily um, any more than what we've already involved ourselves. Um, another fear that I think I have is um, Russia has very close ties with China. China has a very powerful military from my understanding. Um, granted, I don't think China would get involved in something unless it was threatened in some way, shape or form, I guess. No, I don't But it is, so. you know, but... Um, um, I don't know. I just don't think that we should um, get involved militarily. Um, we should open, this does open up a topic of opening up borders. Um, we're always, we've been in the past, and I say we collectively because we are all Americans and ultimately we elected our people into office so they make the decisions for us. Um, we have been very good about closing borders to people. Um, that's a topic that needs to, that's a whole other topic, obviously, but um, I think that we need to open up our borders and be empathetic towards our neighbors um, in other countries that need our help and are trying to flee from a situation that they did not ask for. Clearly people are fleeing because obviously there is danger. And I mean, I, I can't speak for them, but I'm pretty sure a lot of them didn't ask for this. Nobody asks to have to leave their home and leave everything that they've they've known to flee to a foreign land that they're not even they don't even know any you know they don't even know the, what's going to happen to them. Um, but anyway, getting back to your original question, I'm um, digress. I am <laughs> I'm uh, going into other topics. No. Um, you know, circling back to your question, no, we should not get involved any more than what we already have. It's okay to send food. It's okay to send maybe weapons to help them out. 
but um, no, we should not get involved. And I also additionally feel that Ukraine has done a really good job in um, really fighting, I mean, really fighting back. I mean, uh, you know, they're- Anybody thought they could. <laughs> you know, they, they're, they're doing a pretty, I mean, I, I yeah, anyway. <laughs> No, that's um, that's all. That, those are all good points, and I think that's the two sides of this argument is on the not getting involved militarily. Is Biden's reasoning is this is like if we get involved, all NATO gets involved, and it's an entire world war. There's no there's no question about that. But the other side is if in a hypothetical scenario there was no NATO and this wasn't a nuclear armed state. I still don't think the Ameri- I don't I still don't think the majority of Americans would want to send people over for the for the reasons that you said that it's just a, that we're putting our own citizens at risk for for pretty much no reason other than to I mean this and this is such a it's such an old notion and it's just it's it's such a World War II era notion that and it's just one that the country has held, held on to for so long is that we need to be the world's humanitarian people and I'm it's the hypocrisy of, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, invade Iraq and we're going to go and we're going to put troops in Syria. We're going to put troops in Libya. And this is all under the guise of spreading democracy. And Libya, Syria and Iraq are no better off for our involvement than they were before. Vietnam obviously doesn't go well. And it's it's I think we we have to stop this idea that we are this this morally superior nation that believes in 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 oh we're spreading freedom we're spreading democracy and it's just such political talking points that don't mean anything it's like well what are you going to do you went to afghanistan for 20 years and you did and the taliban took it right back over so clearly you're not effective at spreading democracy or freedom across the world and iraq is arg- arg- arguably worse off and you know you go around just toppling dictators and nothing ever nothing ever changes and you have to realize that what's the point of continuing to get involved militarily when nothing ever goes the way we want it to yeah i completely agree with the both of you i don't believe that we should send our men and women in our military to fight but as i was telling you earlier anthony i feel like we should at least talk about getting involved somehow without sending our military in by saying hey we believe you to be our ally you believe us to be yours why don't we stop i i, I just don't think Putin is like i understand that he's not all there and that yes. he probably won't listen to reason but I have to go for broke because I kind of have to have some hope that one day this will solve itself. That go for broke on diplomacy. Um, Yeah. It's not, that's not a bad outlook to have because, and I'm sure that's what a lot of the West Wing staff are thinking themselves and a lot of members of Congress and the military are trying to, you know, get some sort of solution that doesn't end. Because I just don't, NATO doesn't want this. China doesn't want this. Russia's the only one who wants this to go to, because it's not good for anybody except for, you know, defense contractors. It, it's, it's only good. It's, 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 it's not good for 
for economics. It's not good for tor- for travel. And it's not good. I was just saying this at work. Um, it's bad for the economy because people don't know how high is the price of gas going to go? How high is the price of food going to go? What are these sanctions going to do to us? So it hurts our own economy in a time when we're just coming out of this pandemic where things are getting back to something resembling normal. I know we've literally said the exact same thing last year. And <laughs> exactly. But it, and I think that's the American people are not are not they don't want to be involved at all, I don't think. I think they want they can change their profile pictures to stand with Ukraine, but it when push came to shove, I don't I don't think they would be wanting to be they they just want to stand back well i mean i think you know i i you know i i, I agree with both of you you know i um in the points that you're making because they're all very good points um you know but to your point regarding the american people not wanting to get involved i think there's a difference between being empathetic towards a situation and then also getting full-on involved with it um exactly yeah you know um, oh i i have no doubt that people are the situation yeah and then to nick's point regarding you know getting you know with his comments about involvement and um i think at some point or another we need to start asking ourselves what it is that we're what is the end goal here it's obviously peace but we can't keep trying to um trying to force our ideas onto other people and i think that exactly you know russia is trying to do the, that same that that same thing to Ukraine, who has been independent since the end of the Cold War, um, yeah. and trying to force, I guess, old ideas back onto them is just flat out wrong. But then, to um, to your point regarding hypocrisy. We're kind of hypocritical ourselves too, because we're sitting here trying to force. We've been trying to do that for the longest, the very longest time, and yet we yeah, seem exactly. to fail. <laughs> and I think that we fail for a reason, you know, which is a whole other topic of conversation. But right. but yeah. we need to stop trying to, I guess, trying to spill our ideas onto democracy because democracy, democracy in general, is not perfect because we obviously have our own issues here at home. Yeah. Um, but we need to stop trying to, I guess, just trying to meddle in other people's business. It's okay to be empathetic. It's okay to lend our support by whatever means possible that's not militarily, but, you know, using your, you know, using your words, um, we can't keep getting involved and seeing us fail. There's no fruits to our, to our invo- involvement, sadly, I, yeah. you know, Vietnam, you, you know, Vietnam's, like yeah. Vietnam's is still a communist country. Korea are still split. Iraq is in shambles. Afghanistan still held by the Taliban. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like it's just, to say. Yeah, oh, no, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say it's just the same repetitive circle over and over again. And it's yeah. us. We, we all love to say. And I say we all because it's kind of a, it's a collective. Let's learn from our failures. Let's learn from our mistakes. Um, let's learn from history. 
Yet, for some strange unbegotten reason, <laughs> history always repeats itself in a very similar way. It's because people don't actually learn the lessons of history. They learn it and they assume that we have changed. That's the problem. Almost the great, the really the the good thing about America is that we're the only country that really, like I said from the beginning, is like we can do better than what we're doing right now. And America obviously has an extremely checkered past, but we've never stopped saying that we could do better. But that is a double-edged sword because you come back to learning history and you're like, oh no, that was the old America. That that, that has nothing to do with, you know, slavery doesn't have anything to do with us today. You know, the World War II doesn't have anything to do with us today. The Holocaust doesn't have anything to do with us today. And that's the the, the wrong view of it is that nobody thinks that anything it, that it could happen that we have learned that not that we're learning that we've already learned it we don't need to learn it again right but the it's and they don't learn that and it's mainly the the leaders of all these countries that and this is you know not a popular view but it is one that people have is that nato should have broken up when the soviet union did hmm. that nato is a in itself and aggressive and i can see both sides i don't necessarily agree with either side of the argument but that one we kept adding countries to nato after the cold war was over and the other side of that is well russia is still a very aggressive power and so is china so therefore this is still a, ne a, a necessary thing for us to have well i mean we did that's true but you know these countries I want to say they made their, it's kind of like Ukraine. They wanted to be part of NATO. So it just kind exactly. of spun into this whole situation. But that was a decision that they made. We, mm -hmm. we can't, we yeah, yeah, there's about forcing ideas on other people, but, you know, because that's, that's colonization on a whole other level. But if me, if I conscientiously want, hey, I see what you're doing over here. I kind of like it. You know, I right. think that it could work for us why can't I make that decision for myself? Um, but then at the same time, and I'm not at all condoning the, the war, uh, the, you know, Russia's, again, you know, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Russia's kind of saying, oh, well, I think that you should be part of me because you used to be part of me. So who am I to criticize his, his thought process in that? But, he, you know, it's about respecting one another's, I guess, uh, choices and in the way that we think and feel about certain things, and that's where I that's where I think bottom line, Putin is wrong. You're not respecting somebody else's um, somebody else's desires to be part of something or somebody's desires to to do something or be a you know again be a part of something. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about you know respecting one another's you know thought process. You have to be able to look at it from both sides. You know, I think that, you know, even drawing back to history, it's about um, uh, we, even as Americans, we need to learn how to draw parallels between certain situations, certain events. You, you mentioned the Holocaust, World War II, Vietnam, Afghanistan. Yeah, they were all different events, but let's just go ahead and draw the parallels on, on the similarities of, of, of what occurred and the end result of each event and how it applies to today. And we need to learn how to better ask those questions. How can, you, you mentioned it earlier, how can we do better? 
we need to continue. That's the one thing that I think that America, as we as Americans do do well. How, what can we do to do better? Because we're always exactly, seeing, yeah. you know, there's so many arguments, the, the left and the right and the middle or whatever. Um, it's not that people are trying, yeah, we're divided, but we all collectively really do want a better America. So I can't imagine that everybody else doesn't want the same things. It's just, I want to say that people do know this conscientiously, but then they just forget all kind of reason no. goes, they, you know, they, goes out the window. <laughs> um, they, they just look at it. Oh, Obama said in an interview once that they're just looking at it through all these funhouse mirrors. And if I watched Fox News, I probably wouldn't like me either. You know, and that I think that's and this is the, the weird thing about war is it's always it's at least outside of Vietnam, like it used to be at least war was like this weirdly unifying factor because the only like the two wars that I can think of that come to mind are World War Two and um, the war on terror in Afghanistan is that. We both and it's ironically, well, not ironically, more very similar that when we are directly attacked, the politics of everything kind of go out the window. Definitely. That is a very good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> In Vietnam, we weren't attacked. We were going, we were sending kids unwillingly to go to this weird country that no people, not weird, weird to Americans at the time because they had never heard of Vietnam. They were, they was like, what's this country that you're sending my 18 year old kid to go die in for what? So that kind of split the, you know, people along party lines. War can be this extraordinarily dividing factor and this extraordinarily unifying factor at the same time. And it all depends on the context of the war. Because again, most people hadn't even heard of Afghanistan or, or Iraq until the first Gulf War. And then again, in the second war in Iraq. Mm -hmm. But that's very that, that is a very good point. We're on to more stuff, and this is the 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 quote unquote fun question. That's not really fun at all, but it's a fun hypothetical to think of because I keep seeing these arguments on Twitter and everywhere else. Of what do you think Trump would have done if he's president right now? What do you what do we think that he would have done in this situation? He keep, he's going up at CPAC and saying. That these sanctions are useless. Biden's weak. He's going to go, and I'm trying to view this from a nonpartisan perspective. I'm genuinely curious on what would Trump do if he was in office. Honestly, I think he would beat Biden to it and push the button first. <laughs> you mean beat Putin to it? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. You guys got me all distracted and combobulated. It's just. Ridiculous. No, it's all <laughs> yeah, so he there would be a, Putin to it and push the button. There was a funny blurb in um this movie they made about Sarah Palin, and it was she kept calling Biden O Biden, and they had to keep correcting her so she wouldn't call him <laughs> O Biden. <laughs> and it was the it's it's just funny that like yeah we always get people like people would mix up Osama and Obama during like speeches sometimes and it's just it's just funny how people mix up different things when we're talking about so many different figures but you think Trump would have been the first to the to the button I think he would have been the first to the button honestly 
do you think he would have gone in militarily already? Like, not, like, immediately nuked them, just gone in and, and deployed troops right off the bat? Honestly, he would have sent them day one. That's my opinion, at least. Hmm. That's a very inch. I mean, I, I respect that opinion. No, it's def- it's um, definitely you know, we don't this know. Is, yeah, we don't know. I think that Trump would have probably, well, I mean, that's a really hard question to answer. Um, and I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be neutral here too. Um, I don't think. Well, we don't have don't, to be neutral. We can be, we can be biased in one way or the other because he, you know, was. Well, I'm definitely not even going to try to be neutral about this. Everyone <laughs> on YouTube knows how I feel about this. Yeah, exactly. Everybody I definitely think he's crazy enough to beat Biden. Not Biden. Dang it. <laughs> Put into the button and have sent troops already. Okay. Oh I, I mean, Trump was so. He, Trump is somebody that sent so many mixed messages that it's really hard for me to answer this question, other right. than saying maybe no. And I only say no because I just kind of feel like Trump didn't really. Uh, he didn't really, I want to say he didn't, he cared about some matters, but then there were other matters that I was just like, dude, you just, you just seriously, you just don't care. Like, yeah, it's he, not, it's not good for him politically, he doesn't care. Some help. So, <laughs> well, we all need help, but <laughs> um, if I, if I heard you correctly, Nick, <laughs> but, um, not you, Victor, I'm saying the former president, he needs some help. <laughs> um, I want to say he would have uh, I guess Trump would have not sent troops he would have cleaned his hands on it and he would have uh, revived the KXL the Keystone Pipeline um, made a deal, continued the deal with Canada that's a good point, um, yeah I hadn't thought of that and he would have said, you know, to the you know, forget about you um, Russia, although I've you know, he has had he has tried to have he did try to have diplomatic talks with Putin um or was it China can't remember which one it was the one he was very like he cozied up to Putin and he's still doing it now he I mean he called him a genius you know whatever but and it's 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 anybody's guess but I do I I like your the point about the Keystone Pipeline I think he would have immediately reopened that yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Six. It, I think it's anybody's guess. I think if, if you're thinking about it from the side of, okay, this is a guy who's, who's you know, he's praised Putin. He doesn't seem to have an issue with him. He, the literal guy who, and I might be wrong about this, but I'm almost like 99% sure I'm right about that, is the guy, the the Soviet, or not the Soviet, Jesus, it's not 1990 anymore. Um. Um, the, Russians. the Russian national security or the leader of their national security department basically was the one who threatened nuclear war the other day or today or yesterday. Trump, I'm pretty almost positive, invited him into the Oval Office, like within like a few months of him being president. So that's where I'm like caught up on this is that Trump, I think, would have been lighter on the sanction. I think he would have sanctioned them earlier and lighter 
I don't think he would have kicked him off the swift banking system. I don't think he would have sanctioned their energy, which Biden hasn't done yet. But I think he would have just been easier with the sanctions. And I, 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 I don't see him. I don't think he would have put troops on the ground because I don't think it would have been an advantageous thing for him to do politically. Honestly, because- this is what we get for an ele- for electing a reality star to be our president. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, and there's a lot of arguments that people make that say that Trump weakened <laughs> NATO so much that that Putin felt comfortable doing this. I don't so, doubt that. I agree with that. Or at least gave the impression of NATO being weaker because Putin went into this on the pretext that he was like, oh, they're not going to keep everybody together. And then everybody was like, no, you are wrong about that. <laughs> Like everybody and their mother sanctioned him. And I don't think he expected that. But I also don't think he cares. Right. But Trump Hmm. is just, we don't know what he would have done, but there's so many people who on on the right who are saying now, oh, this one happened under Trump. They never would have invaded. I'm just like, you really don't know Putin. Like, he doesn't give one semblance of a crap about who is the president. You know, I want to say that, you know, because, you know, it's just everyone just trying to, you know, trying to figure out, trying to, uh, I guess, um, think what Trump would have done. I... (laughs) I think that Trump was really good at uh, one thing that I want to say Trump was probably really good at was bluffing. Yeah. And he was also good at, I want to say it's like, it's like playing a game of chess. Mm. He was pretty, I want to say he was pretty good at, uh, at playing the game. Um, you know, I'm just being funny when I say this, but Trump is probably somebody I would not want to, want to be playing poker with a game of poker with no he'd because be a really difficult read. it'd be a difficult read it's just you know and i think that maybe I, that game is what works on the world stage yeah, i don't know it's weird. um because even you know putin um he he doesn't care you know this is what i want and this is what i want but in a sense you know trump was kind of the same way this is what i need and this is what i want exactly Exactly. And then no sooner does he get what he wants or whatnot, you know, you and see him going, you see him going in a completely different direction. He's playing like playing this really difficult game of poker. So maybe that's, that was a good thing, but then there were, you know, it was a bad thing too. <laughs> I think it's the impulsivity. I mean, there's like, and I'm talking strictly from a foreign policy standpoint is that I think that, the rest of the world didn't know what he was going to do. And that was his greatest asset in foreign policy because he's, he's so, and this is a weird thing about Trump. And this is what a lot of people who have met him personally say, like before he was president, that he acts a totally different way with his, in, in regards to his public persona with the media, television, and how he acts with his, with when you actually like speak to him in person because people in person have actually said he's a really nice guy to them to them in person and maybe and and you know maybe he is (laughs) 
Yeah, maybe he is. Maybe he's a perfectly, you know, fine person to speak to outside of the out of the White House. But that I think is the greatest, and I think Putin's like this too, is that and this is the mark of you know either an authoritarian or a really strong leader is that nobody knows who they really are. So therefore nobody knows what they really want. That is a very interesting point. Yes. Because you ever meet somebody who you can't really like, you ever meet somebody you just can't read. They either, they just seem so like, you don't, you would never be able to guess their political leanings or their values or, you know, their tastes because they're just, or if you met somebody that you thought some, they were a completely different person and they turned out to be totally different from what you initially thought they were going to be. Like it's like playing the guessing game. Yeah. Yeah. It's just playing like, guess who, like, who is this, who is this guy and what makes him tick and what are, you know, his values. And, I mean, there have been a lot of presidents and leaders like that because I think that's what their the greatest ability of a politician is to appeal to everybody and nobody at the same time. That sounds really sad when you say it like that. This is like saying, you, do you even yourself know who you are? They don't. Exactly. To be that kind of person that Putin and Trump and even Obama and Biden and Bush and all these guys you don't you you have to be able to be a million different people because you can't people who are honest don't become like bernie's not president right now because he was honest about his intentions mm-hmm. you knew who he was you knew what he stood for you knew there was nobody who could move him off of his positions he knew who he was he knew who like he was a real you know individual and those people don't make it very far in politics because they're honest Which is sad because we need more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think there are people who got elected being an honest person, but the second that the machine took hold of them, they realized they were like, oh, I have to, you know, work a million different people in a million different ways every single day. Like, I can't be honest with them because I'll lose. And then they lose. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah. Which is really hard too, I would think, because I mean, it's almost like you're having to even sacrifice your own ideals and what you would really want as well. Absolutely. You may not, you may not necessarily agree with it, but you're just doing it to appeal to the people. Yeah. Um, like I don't, I'm trying to think of like a good example. Like Mitt Romney is like kind of a good example who got like pulled right. Because like the funny thing about Mitt Romney is that when he was governor of Massachusetts, he, he tried to implement in like a statewide program of healthcare that was basically the exact same thing as Obamacare. It would have the government subsidized private healthcare. That was essentially it. And when he ran for president and everybody kept bringing it up, he was like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. It's nothing like Obamacare. And it's like, I don't really think that's what he really believes. I think he wants people to have health. I think he probably does want everybody to have healthcare and he may differ from some people on what you know, we should do about that, but I don't think he's as right as people make him out as, as he puts on, but he wouldn't get, he would never get elected again if he was honest. 
so we are led by liars. <laughs> Shot. Wow. <laughs> Revelation. We are led by dishonest people who want, and that's, you know, that's honestly, like you said before, like a flaw with democracy. Mm. The people don't really know what they want at the end of the day. You know, people see whatever's appealing and they agree with that or they just kind of go with whatever's, you know, hey, there's the parties, right? The, there's the parties over there. Let's go advocate for that. Well, I, um, and I think... And, and that, and that in no means I'm saying that the part, you know, there's a party in the other side of the world by, by no means am I comparing that to war, but no, no, no. Um, you know, what, what, whenever there's a certain idea that people feel strongly about or wherever the most people, the, the pool, the pool that's filled the, to the, to, to the brim, that's where everyone wants to be. Yeah. It, dra it drags everybody with them. All right. Yeah. I think a good, like, there's a weirdly good example of this in when you talk to people about like homeless people and affordable housing, you'd be like, do you want the homeless people to have homes? And I'd say 90% of people would say yes. I, I mean, I, I don't think anybody would be like, no, they deserve to be on the streets. But then you talk about, oh, we're going to build an affordable housing unit in your neighborhood. They're like, no, not in my neighborhood. I, I didn't mean ne next to me. You know, so it's just this cognitive dissonance between like somebody's mm -hmm. values and what they actually want because, oh, we'd need more mental health facilities. Yeah, I totally agree. But we have to raise taxes to do it. No, no, I don't want my taxes to go up. Yep. I want the yeah. war in Ukraine to stop. Well, we're going to have to, you know, pay some higher gas prices to do it. Nope, I don't want that. <laughs> yep. People so. don't people don't realize how it affects them until it actually does affect them yeah um they want to say people just want to say that they're for stuff and not make an actual sacrifice and i think everybody's guilty of that in one way or the other because we all don't want climate change to destroy the planet but you know are you will you know are you willing to go you know pay a hundred you know 150 dollars for for you know, fifty dollars worth of groceries at Whole Foods instead of Seder Brothers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was just thinking about this earlier today. The rising gas prices are all you know, um, for the low end gas. It's almost it's almost at five dollars at some. It's pretty much five dollars at, at some <laughs> say at some you know gas stations. Yeah, it's pretty much at five dollars. And then I think about, well, man, if they had continued with this Keystone Pipeline, if they had done this, if they had done that. Then maybe I wouldn't be suffering. I just like others wouldn't be suffering nearly as much. And then you think about the cost of a new vehicle, an electric vehicle, right? And you're just kind of like, well, can you? Can the average American afford this? Can I afford this? What about this? What about that? And so, we're yeah. in, we're in California where we see charging stations all over the place. Imagine like yeah. you going to Kansas and telling somebody buy an electric car. They'll be like, <laughs> where will I charge it? Like I live. 30 miles from town. Right. All right. So we'll so, I'll move on. We're, we're almost running out of time here. So I'm going to move on to the, uh, what could be our last question? What's a good last question to go to? Maybe how do you think it'll end? Yeah, that was kind of like what, what I was I was like going to, and we kind of already like talked about it a little, but um, yeah. How how do we 
when do we think this will end? How do we think this will end? Like, I don't think anybody has a clear cut answer. And I, I honestly don't either, but I think it'd be a good, yeah, start like good thing to talk about. And I think that maybe what will happen is Ukraine will continue to run as its own independent, you know, country. And um, just won't, wouldn't be allowed to join NATO. That's, that was the whole thing. Because, I mean, I know that they're yeah. starting to, you know, they're starting to talk or they're trying now to talk, even though they're in the, you know, on the Russia stuff. Yeah, but I think that maybe, I guess this is just me being hopeful. Ukraine will continue to keep its independence, but it just won't be allowed to join NATO. Um, I think that's probably the the best way that, our government probably sees it ending. They see but. it ending in one of three ways. One, we all die from the nuclear explosion. Which two, I think is the least likely. Two, Putin gets Ukraine and keeps going to want more. And we still die from the nuclear explosion. Or Just three, we somehow get involved and we stop it. Yeah. That's how I see it happening. Well, we don't, this, and this is the scenario. I, I also think there are three scenarios. They're, they're, the first one is similar, yes. One way or the other, whether it's through Ukraine falling and then Russia moving on to Poland and NATO gets involved and then nuclear war ensues and we all get vaporized which i think is the least likely scenario and i'm just gonna like go back to the point that i just don't see anybody letting him get away with it i just i don't see the orders being followed i don't and i i i I don't see china putting up with it i don't like nato's obviously not going to put up with it the whole world is looking at this as if like there's one per there's one dude out there like it's like a party and there's one dude being a jackass and trying to fight everybody basically i guess i mean i would i would agree with that except that i'm drawing a parallel between what happened with what the united states did in afghanistan and what the people of afghanistan wanted and now they're just I mean, I haven't really followed the news with regard to Afghanistan, yeah. nor do I know that it's being covered. But it was yeah, it was swallowed it was swallowed it was swallowed up again yep. in the direction that they didn't want it to go. So mm, to say that the world is not going to allow it, I mean, we had out we well, maybe it was just the United States that allowed it, and now with Afghanistan, but now with. Ukraine and Russia, more players are involved, so maybe it won't go in the in the wrong direction um, towards Russia. But uh, hmm. I think the thing about that point is that, like, if the world wanted the Taliban out of Afghanistan, they could demolish them in a day. I don't really think there's that much of a vested in- interest in going and re- because the thing is, it's like it's a lot different than. Like Ukraine already had a functioning democracy, like in their country. Afghan, like trying to go and set up a new democracy in a new country, 
is really hard to do when there's a force constantly there trying to trying to squeeze you out. And so I think it's a little bit different. It's definitely similar to being like, oh, this won't, you know, the world won't. And my thing is that the world won't allow this is that I, I don't think that if, if it gets to that point where like Putin's hand, like finger is over the button, I think they'll just go, they'll go and just obliterate Russia. And yeah, one nuke might go off, but I, I think that be like, be, again, because China doesn't want that. That's my, my, my sticking point is that China doesn't want this. And China can do a lot too in talking. To, I, and that's like, I think that Biden needs to reach out to China and be like, can you go and like stop this guy already? Because we can't do it. He's not going to listen to us. If you sanction, if you said, we're not going to let you use any of our banks, because that's Russia's only recourse at this point is going to China mm -hmm. to try to do their banking. So if China's like, nope, and in fact, we're going to sanction you more, we're going to cut off your, like, if, if the US and China both agreed to cut off Russia's, Russia's exports of oil, they're, they're, they're done. Like their ability to wage war is essentially gone. But as far as this ending, I, I don't think it's going to end for a while. I don't think there's going to be nuclear war. I don't think we're going to get involved militarily. I think the sanctions are going to do what they have to do. And I think the people of Russia are eventually going to, I think they might overthrow their government. And that's what I'm hoping for. But that's well. wish. That is wishful thinking. I was about you just stole the words yeah. out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all on the same track here. I think that's wishful thinking that they're gonna, but I, I I don't think it's too much of wishful thinking to think that the military will not go through with Putin's orders eventually because they don't want to see the world end. Putin may want to see the world end, but I don't think that anybody else does. I think he's the sole perpetrator in this in that regard. Mm-hmm. And even I don't, I still don't think that Putin's that crazy. I think he's posturing. He's trying to get the arise out of the U.S. He's trying to get him to escalate it, to give him the excuse to go so to get to go into other countries. And I think that you know, actually, the news hasn't really been that hyperbolic about nuke because if there's one thing the news doesn't want to do is be hyperbolic about nuclear war. That's not something that they're going to play up as like, this is a real possibility. And Nick, you're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to. If we got any final thoughts, we can, we can levy them now. I've got something. Why don't you viewers comment down below what you guys are thinking is going to happen with this entire situation? That's a good idea. And how do you, you know, how is it affecting you personally, mentally, you know, spiritually, however you feel that this is, you know, affecting your life? Because I go back and forth between, you know, cautious optimism and complete alarmism and i'm trying to stay like somewhere in the middle <laughs> right 
Yeah, or even something um, where the, you, as the viewers, see that maybe we can uh, further dis that that um, that merits further discussion, yeah. um, with maybe even inviting you guys in to you know talk about this as well because your you know your voice and your opinion matter as well. Yeah, this may not be the last time we do this kind of topic. Yeah, we plan to talk about this as long as it's going on. Yep, that's what we do. That's what we do. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this, and I hope that nobody is sufficiently freaked out because it's never good to get yourself in that headspace, and I think that it's really easy to. And if you need to, you know, ignore the news for a while, please do so because despite our efforts, there is very little that we can control in this situation. So live your life, do your thing. Everything will more than likely be fine. I don't think the world is going to be destroyed. Absolutely. Not yet, at least. Not, not, at, not at this moment. <laughs> yeah. And I do think, I just think that it's really important because even as a journalist, I mean, we're all here aspiring into uh, journalists here. Um, even I myself, I separate myself from the news as well. So it's, I totally agree with your statement, Anthony. Um, and I also think it's important to also say that it's okay to have an opinion, but make sure that when you are making, you are speaking your opinions and that you are speaking your mind, that it's coming from a place of um, informed opinions. I think that we're very good as Americans to uh, to speak our mind, but sometimes we we speak our mind without fully understanding what it is that we're that we're talking about, and that's why we create spaces like this to be able to open up the conversation. It's not just about us sharing our opinions, but it's also sharing opinions based off of the facts that have been provided to us through history and what we are seeing. Yeah. Um, but that's why we also invite you as the audience, you know, you you know, the audience as well. Hey, you know please do chime in. Um, so I'm glad that you mentioned that, Nick. Um, it's really important to get the, you know, our audience involved in these conversations as well, because we want to we want to hear from them. Definitely. I try to incorporate our viewers into every town talks, which you guys have not been interacting with us. Please be sure to do so if you want to be heard. Absolutely. Your, your opinions matter. Definitely. I agree with that. Well, All thank right. you guys for sticking with us. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel and comment below what you're thinking about with this current crisis. And we'll see you guys next time. Peace, everybody. Nice. See ya. Good night. Good night.